Welcome to Dynasty Life. I am Theo Greminger, and I started this podcast to bring you the top dynasty strategy, dynasty roster construction, and some dynasty trade advice. And I want to get league winning advice from some of Dynasty's top names. And I'm excited to be joined on my first episode here with Ryan McDowell, one of the most well-known Dynasty voices in the in the fantasy, in basically in Dynasty Fantasy at this point. Uh, you know him from DLF, Locked On Fantasy, Betsperts. Ryan, you're everywhere, and uh, you're putting out tremendous content. Let everybody know where they can find your work. Yeah, I appreciate that, Theo. You can uh, you can find my content at Dynasty League Football. Uh, host the co-host the podcast there, and and do uh, you know do some written content uh, every week. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23 and uh, also check out the Lockdown Dynasty pod, co-host that one as well. No, it's it's excellent stuff. Um, you know, I've been following your work for a long, long time. We're actually in a, in a league together now. We're in the Black Crown uh, League with uh, run by our friend Curtis Patrick, so that's pretty cool. My team is a train wreck. Your team is very, very good. But in fairness to myself, I took make over a, an orphan. We need to make a trade. Yeah, we, maybe we will. Maybe we will. But I'm not trading my Jameer Gibbs or my Sam Laporta shares. I'm getting a couple offers for those guys. It's usually just a quick, quick decline for me on those. But uh, yeah. I want to want to give you a big shout out. This is not a not a dynasty thing, but every single week you drop the flow chart, and the flow chart is yeah. if anybody doesn't follow Ryan, immediately start following him, even if you're not a dynasty player, because the flow chart is like one of the best resources there is on on dynasty dynasty Twitter. Or, or fantasy Twitter in general, you basically list the number. Well, basically, why don't you explain what the flow chart is and how long you've been doing it? Sure, sure. Uh, well, it's funny. First of all, it, it's not a flow chart, uh, it, you know, um, which it, it catches a lot of newcomers, uh, catches them off a little bit at first because, um, you know, like, why, why are you calling this a flow chart? Years and years ago, um, Al Smith, Al Zeidenfeld, um, there was kind of a running narrative that whatever tight end, the I believe it was the Arizona Cardinals at the time, but whatever tight end was playing the Cardinals that week, you just play. It didn't matter who the player was. You just started them because the Cardinals were that bad against the tight end position. And uh, at, at some point he called it the flow chart. That's the flow chart. Is this player playing the Cardinals? Yes, start them. So uh, I, I've referred to this as the flow chart, uh, but essentially it, it's a list of uh, of weekly matchups along with what each team has uh, has allowed as far as uh, top 12 quarterback performances, top 12 tight end performances, and then top 24 at the running back and wide receiver position. And it's all all list on on one graphic there. Pretty pretty easy to digest, I think. But uh, if you're looking for some quick uh, sleepers, whether you're talking about DFS or, or maybe just a bye week fill in on your redraft or your dynasty league, you know, find out who's uh, which uh, which quarterbacks playing Washington. Uh, that's Mac Jones this week. Washington's given up seven quarterback one games. That's the most in the league. You know, maybe this is the week to take a shot on on Mac Jones and uh, the Eagles. Twelve wide receiver one or two games already. By far the most in the league. It's going to be a good week for CD Lamb. Yeah, Mac Jones made my made my uh, waiver wire column. He's going to be in my sleepers column. Yeah. It's like just chase that Washington secondary, and now no Chase Young, no Montez Sweat. It's going to be even easier. Oh. I believe it's six out of seven games allowing 300-plus passing yards. It's just, just wild. But 
you know, we're going to talk about some players who are a little bit more exciting than Mac Jones. Ryan, you know, I've been asking <laughs> so. this. On, yeah, you know, that way we don't want to put the people to sleep. But, you know, every single one of my redraft podcasts, I've been asking the same question. It's been kind of an evergreen question for me. Is what player besides Pukunakua has been the biggest positive surprise for you this season? And let's take this from a dynasty perspective, because I feel like, you know, a lot of times in redraft, you just draft a guy or you pick him up on the waiver wire. Right. In dynasty, you're using those valuable rookie picks. Maybe you've got a guy in a trade. So it goes a little bit deeper uh, when we have, you know, people surprising us with their level of play. Yeah, it was tough to narrow, narrow it down here. Uh, I do have a couple. The first one that came to mind is actually Michael Pittman. And, and and maybe that has to do more with my expectations for him, which were pretty low. I've never been necessarily a huge Pittman supporter. Um, and, and then kind of bought into the narrative that uh, as much as we like Anthony Richardson long-term and from a dynasty standpoint, there's certainly questions for him as a passer. Is he going to be able to support uh, – Pittman and, and other pieces of that offense. And obviously we only got a, a quick look at that over uh, the first month or so, but uh, Pittman was certainly playing well with Richardson. He's been playing well with Minshew as well. Already has four games this season as a top 15 uh, wide receiver score, including the past three weeks. And Pittman is uh, wide receiver 12 on the season so far. So he's the first one that came to mind. We're seeing a value bump for him as well up from 58 overall in preseason dynasty ADP uh, up 43 right now. So Pittman was the first one that came to mind. I know you said no, uh, no Puka Nakua. I love that caveat in there because he, he would be an easy answer, right? I'm going to go with his teammate as the other guy, Kyron Williams, a little bit out of sight, out of mind for Kyron as he's uh, missed the past a uh, couple weeks, but gosh, so impressive. Had four RB one games through the first six weeks of the season. You go back and look at Cam Akers. Who, Cam Akers rose all the way up to being a first-round startup pick in our ADP over at DLF. He had four RB1 games in three years with the Rams. Kyron Williams matched that in the first six weeks of the season. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm confident that he's going to come back from this injury and gain that backfield and, and be a long-term dynasty asset. But outside of the top three or four running backs, I think we value. I think we have to look at, at running back as a year-to-year -year, uh, position, and, and and from you know from a value standpoint, and that that pushes Ken Williams pretty high up the list. No, I love that the the take. We we talked about this a little bit in the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, and I know Alan Sislowski on his RotoWire podcast. Like, did has your perspective on running backs changed, Ryan, over the years in terms of the windows you look at them as? You mentioned you're looking at them on a year to year. Is that like the majority of running backs? You put them in a bucket and it's kind of like a yearly bet. Uh, or is it do you try to keep it like a two year window? I know some people aspire for three, but I think that's kind of in the past. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of been left in the past as well, because um, just just how volatile the position's been from a uh, from a production standpoint and from a value standpoint when you're talking about these young running backs and cam Akers, you know unfortunately is is a great example of that showed some problems we pushed him up way too far way too fast and and now he's being viewed as as a you know a pretty much a bust in, in the yeah. dynasty circles um so 
to me, it's elite young running backs. And, you know, you can argue maybe who belongs in that category, Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall. I think you can talk about Jameer Gibbs in that group as well. Uh, you know, maybe just Kenneth Walker belong, just Travis Etienne belong. Uh, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's the debate. That's where it gets fun in dynasty. Right. But does, to me, does it's Devon, elite young. Does Devon A-Chain belong there? Yeah. yeah he... uh, I would say not yet, but he's, he's knocking on the door for sure. Uh, Kenneth Walker is as well. I wouldn't put Walker there yet. So to me, it's elite young running backs that are, are multiple year assets. Uh, then it's elite older guys. Christian McCaffrey obviously uh, comes to mind there. And then it's everybody else. And I was, uh, I'm actually writing about this for one of next week's articles. I was recently proposed a, a trade, Austin Eckler for my Alvin Kamara. And if you get that trade offer over the summer, you can't hit except fast enough. If you get that offer in the first three weeks of the season, when Kamara is, is suspended, even though, uh, even though Eckler was, was banged up, you're still accepting as quickly as you can. But now here we are, eight weeks in. Kamara's played five weeks. He's been an RB1 all five of those games. Already has more RB1 games than he had last year uh, over the full season. Both of these guys are 28 years old, and you have to think, who do I want for the rest of this season, Kamara or Eckler? The answer to that is probably uh, the same answer as far as who should who should be more valuable in Dynasty. So I've moved Kamara up ahead of Eckler, and that's just, that's just kind of one small example of, of how I – really value the position on a year-to-year basis outside of the elite guys. Yeah, Kamara's a guy that I've been looking to accumulate in Dynasty, uh, especially on all my contenders. And he's a guy that I, I think, Ryan, I think that a lot of people don't know how to value him right now because you get so yep. ingrained in the startup values that the actual production kind of gets like pushed aside a little bit. But I'm with you. I think that rest of the season, I'm absolutely taking him over Eckler. Um, we've moved Kamara way up on um, our dynasty rankings here at Player Profiler, yeah. but I got Alvin Kamara for Brian Robinson and a second round pick. I mean, I think yeah. that, that was like two weeks ago. I think now it's going to cost more, but you're still worth, you know, you knocking on the doors. And if somebody's not a surefire contender, I think they might be willing to get rid of Kamara for far less than, you know, like you you mentioned, like an Austin Eckler. How about a guy, Ryan, you know, you spend a lot of time during the summer with you know dynasty startup values your dynasty rankings your dynasty articles you put a lot of time into it who's the guy that maybe you were high on that's been a big disappointment for you yeah i've got a couple here unfortunately as well uh, the more recent one i guess as far as a player who this past offseason I, I really bought in on and has been a disappointment uh chigo conquo tight end in, yeah. in tennessee uh, i know man those young titans really you know, they really fool us a lot of times in dynasty. It's, it seems like so easy to buy in and, uh, and so many times they, they disappoint. Uh, so Chig had five games as a top 15 tight end last year as a rookie, most of those coming in the last month of the season. And we saw value skyrocket. Honestly, he was in that tight end one range. You know, part of that has to do with kind of how ugly the position is in general, but uh, his value is certainly climbing quickly and now you look through eight weeks, he's tied in 30. His best game was tied 17. Uh, really, really a huge disappointment there. You know, maybe maybe that starts to change with the, um, I don't want to say quarter change, still a, 
still an injury and week to week situation with Tannehill. You can, you can but, say it. You can say it. You can say it. Love is Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like we should never see Ryan Tannehill uh, start a game for the Titans again. So we'll we'll see. These coaches, you know, it's it's hard to know what to expect, what to project from them, and the decisions they're going to make. But yeah, I mean, obviously, after what we saw in one week, it should be Levis moving forward. And it's funny because Chigakonkwo passes Trey McBride, who was drafted several rounds ahead of him uh, in pretty much all redraft rankings and in dynasty startups. Akonkwo was the hot name this summer. Trey McBride falls to a very, very affordable range. And now Trey McBride is making his ma- major ascent. Mm-hmm. Looks like the guy yeah. that was taking the second round. And Akonkwo, like, there's FFPC leagues where Akonkwo is there for you as a free agent. And he had a nine-target game and did, like, nothing with it. So I'm right. with you. He was a major, major disappointment. Um, let's stay with Will Levis real quick because I, I listened to you guys this week uh, on your DLF uh, podcast and you guys discussed Will Levis. Will Levis is a guy I'm willing to take a major L on. Um, you know, I never saw this coming. And I'll give a shout out to Cody Carpenter, uh, formerly with Player Profiler. He's been a big Will Levis stand. So he's been in my ear for like two years on how good Will Levis is. I kind of brush it to side. I realize there's the big arm, but I never kind of saw this. Like three of his touchdown passes went for 30 plus yards. Uh, you know, they went up against an Atlanta defense that has had some life. And Will Levis looked very, very poised. Uh, only had 19 completions. So again, this was a lower volume passing game, but he sure looked the part. Um, your thoughts on Will Levis. Is this a, we need a lot more information or is this a, I'm very impressed with the performance. I think Will Levis is maybe a little bit better than I evaluate him at. Uh, well, I mean, maybe a little bit of both, honestly. Um, and, and I mean, I'm a Kentucky fan. I'm a, I'm a homer there. So it's, a little hard this past off season, especially to to really dig through all of the um, all the information, all the opinions on us. Because if you go back to the the previous season at Kentucky, he looked like a guy who could be that number one overall pick, which we heard rumors of, and um, had it all together. Of course, had Wondell Robinson on that team. Um, everything went right for him, and and then it seemed like this uh, the SE everything went wrong. The injury, uh, change it, offensive coordinator, the offensive line, you know, all the excuses that we heard all off season. And, and those all seemed honestly reasonable. Um, when it came down to it, it was, a, it was a matter of expectation. And I mean, even as a Kentucky fan and 11, and he had somehow gone first overall, or even in the first half of the first round, uh, that felt too early where he fell to the second round. Now he becomes more of a, project you know do we see him play at all his rookie season expectations became a lot more realistic now um honestly what we saw on sunday is is what we saw two years ago as kentucky fans airing it out hitting those deep balls Uh, the concerns are still there uh as far as he's going to make some poor decisions he's going to throw some interceptions he didn't on sunday uh almost almost flawless on sunday but those those mistakes are coming certainly for a rookie quarterback so Honestly, if you were big time anti Levis, I don't know if I would be taking the L yet. I mean, it's it's still obviously very very early in the process. I'm glad glad Cody got a shout out there though Listen. because uh, yeah, I, I went to the combine this uh, back in February and uh, I thought I would show up being the biggest Levis fan in the house, and then Cody was there and and I knew I was uh, 
you know, knock down a peg or two because he he loved loved and loved Will Levis and and was uh, was shouting his praises. And you know, I don't try to pretend that I'm a scout. That's that's not my specialty in the in the fantasy football space as far as watching film and and really being able to pull out deep strengths and weaknesses. Cody can that. Uh, he kind of made my argument for me throughout the offseason, so I was happy with that. Your thoughts on – we're going to get to a number of players after we take a, a break, but Will Levis, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins he had tunnel vision for, which is often we see that yeah. with these young quarterbacks, and it's not really a bad strategy. I think if you're going for your first read and throwing to your most talented wide receiver, sometimes that's better than a guy trying to get cued and spread it around and throw a couple of picks. But – Traylon Burks has been a major disappointment. He's been injured, doesn't look right. Do you have any hopes for Traylon bouncing back this year? I mean, how worried are should we be about Traylon Burks and Dynasty? Yeah, I'm pretty worried. We're we're already seeing a significant value drop, and uh, two years in now, or you know, a year and a half in, I guess, dealt with multiple injuries already, including before uh, he even stepped on the field training camp as a rookie. I've got concerns, and even if Levis continues to play at a pretty high level and, and is able to build off of his uh, his first game, that's still going to be, as you said, that's going to be a pretty low-volume passing attack. They still want to build that team around the running game on a weekly basis. So I, I don't know. Um, Burks at this point is going to have to be a guy who who changes my mind and, and wins me over. He's, he's when I'm If I still got him, I'm selling him. If I can get a second, I'm jumping at that. Uh, in a dynasty league, I'm I'm kind of off Trey Burks, honestly. Or yeah, Burks. I paid a third for him last week on a team that's like right in the middle. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to define, you know, we're gonna try to define contenders, pretenders, rebuilds. Uh, first, we're gonna hear a, a word from our sponsors, but we got a lot more coming right at you right here on Dynasty Life. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you... Pick up to eight. That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger. I'm joined by Ryan McDowell of DLF Football. Uh, Ryan, we get to this time of year and we have eight weeks in, I feel like this is usually a time where we kind of know what our dynasty teams are. How are you treating, like, what is kind of your general strategy once we get to, let's call it like mid season for dynasty November one, we are here. What is Ryan McDowell doing with his teams? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm evaluating my teams every single week as far as obviously wins, wins, losses. It's easy to check those standings, see where you are, but you've got to look at your points scored. You've got to check, especially this year, you've got to check those injuries and, you know, who have you lost or who are you getting back from, from injured reserve. So monitoring the, 
each and every team every single week is, is, is an important process to go through. At this point, though, hopefully you've already kind of chosen that path as far as are you trying to make a playoff run or are you rebuilding? Because if you're still if you're stuck in the middle and unsure at this point, uh, which, which way you're going to go, it's probably already too late. So really what I'm trying to do now is I'm just getting more aggressive with with which whichever path I've chosen. Right. If if I'm trying to win with this team. I'm going out and trading for some players, making some offers, certainly being aggressive if there's a waiver wire target. Um, and, and on the other end, if if I'm trying to rebuild, if I'm trying to tear down that team, getting more aggressive with that as well, ramping up that as far as trade offers. If I've got guys, especially those short-term guys that uh, I call them short shelf life, right? Like if they if they have that expiration date coming soon, Get get them off their roster. You don't. They don't have long term value. They're only hurting you by scoring points right now. So get those guys off your roster. So, you know, essentially the answer is whatever path you're on, get more aggressive with that path. I love that, and I think one of the biggest problems you see in dynasty is people who are kind of stuck in the middle, and their team mm-hmm. never wins any championships, never wins any money, and also never gets access to those kind of players that can turn their teams around really, really quickly. There's no access to the Bijan Robinsons and the Jameer Gibbs types because they're sitting there and finishing like the seventh seed, eighth seed. So I, I'm with you on that. So when when you're talking about, you know, determining your, I think it's kind of like a, if I look at my roster, I'm going to know if I'm a contender. I think the only real right. difference would be this year you bring up the injuries. Are there certain rosters where you're going to attempt to tread water while you're holding a couple of these injured reserve guys. Like I know for me, I have one team who was first, you know, and then I lose Devon A. Chain, I lose Justin Jefferson, but those guys still have a path back. Is that the sort of team that you want to say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to do to do a soft rebuild? Or is that the sort of team where you want to kind of tread water? Is there a real feel for the feel for this for you, Ryan? Or is it kind of a team specific uh question? I think they're all team specific, but you mentioned that Black Crown League, and uh, my team is is kind of a good example of that. Uh, I believe I was undefeated and first in the league when Justin Jefferson went down, and my wide receivers are, are pretty ugly after that. So it's been a combination of just trying to get through uh, the the month, the six weeks, whatever it might be, until he gets back, and and obviously hoping he even comes back at this point. We'll, we'll see how that situation goes. Um, and, and then also trying to find some wide receiver help. And when I'm doing that, I'm not necessarily trying to trade for Jamar Chase or AJ Brown, right? Like I'm not necessarily trying to make that, that home run uh, trade. I'm just trying to get uh, just a short-term guy who can get me not through the rest of the season, but just get me until Jefferson uh, until Jefferson gets back to the field. So, yeah, I've, I've lost some games. I've fallen some spots in the standings. But overall, I, I look at my team with playoffs in mind, and I, I still analyze that with uh, with Jefferson as a piece of that team. Yeah, I'm in a, a league run by uh, uh, Scott Bollinger, Jax Falcone of the Undrafted. And, and um, there's a, b- a bunch of people are in, the, in that league. It's Matt, you know, Matt Kelly's in that league. Oh, yeah. Um, Alan Sislowski's in that league and I split a team with Dan Williamson of the goat district. And we actually traded, we have a Justin Jefferson team and we were rolling 
and we traded uh and then we just lose Kirk Cousins as well. So we were like on on top of the world and now we're not, but we were we have a strong enough roster and we're we have enough, you know, wins this season, enough points scored that we're right there. We actually we traded a second round pick for Adam Thielen to get us through the hump wide receiver yeah. wise. Probably a little more than you'd want to pay, but I'll take the points with Thielen. And then we actually right. made a trade. I wondered your your opinion on this. We traded Justin Jefferson for Justin Herbert. Where do you think those guys are going to land when we talk about Superflex Dynasty startups this offseason? I feel like they're going to be pretty much neck and neck, if not Herbert yeah. going ahead of them. Yeah, I would I would rather have Herbert in, in a Superflex format for sure. I do think they're close. You're probably looking at both of those guys as mid-first rounders in a Superflex startup this offseason. Uh, so, yeah, uh, given the uh, injury to Jefferson and, and – I think, did you say you had cousins on that team? We did. It was a rough, yeah, rough, yeah. rough, given, rough couple of days for us. Right. Yeah. Given, given the obvious need there. Uh, I, I think that was a great move. It, it never feels good to trade Stan Jefferson. Right. Uh, no. But uh, yeah, that's, it, it was a, a move you had to make and certainly got some nice value in return. You know, Curtis Patrick does a really good series with his dynasty command center, which has a lot of like oh, yeah. dynasty, strategic dynasty advice sort of what I'm trying to do here at dynasty life, but he uses the word pretenders. And I think a lot of teams, how would you go about identifying a pretender? Cause I think some dynasty managers don't quite realize that they are a pretender until it's too late. And you might end up trying to make a couple of moves to push you off of like, let's say there's a, a five and three team that is not really quite there, but they might push the chips in. What are some telltale signs for pretenders? Is it, quality of the roster is it points scored i mean how do you go about identifying that ryan or is it sort of a i look at it and i know it well i think i think you do you know i think most of us will know it um but point scored is is the first spot to look right like you you might have that really nice record you might be six and two at this point in the season and pretty high up on those standings but if you're a fifth sixth seventh in point scored you're you're probably not a real contender. So that's that's the first spot to look, but um, that's not all. Again, you've got to factor in those injuries, of course. Um, to me, it's just setting that weekly lineup, right? Like who are those, if you're stretching every week, right? It, let's go back to the, the flow chart. If you're looking at the flow chart, just to find that 10th starter, that 11th starter. I've got some teams where I've, I'm picking up guys off the waiver or just start them. And these are not shallow leagues. I'm I'm picking up some some junk, unfortunately. Even though my team is is in the playoff hunt, those are those are not real contenders, you know. Yeah. So I I do have I've got a few leagues where if you make the if you make the playoffs, you make your money back. So you know that's another thing to consider. Like I know I'm not winning a title with this team. I'm just trying to sneak into the playoffs. I make my money back, and then. And then we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, probably nothing. But you've got to you've got to factor in your um, you know your league setup, league format into those decisions as well. If if it's really kind of first place or bust, then obviously is pushing you towards that towards that rebuild um, a little bit easier. No, for sure. Now, how about let's let's pivot over and and you are a rebuilding team. What, what are a couple of like strategic moves you're looking to get? Like when you're moving players, are you looking to try to accumulate picks, which gain you a roster spot? 
or are you looking to get packages of players or both? What have been kind of your biggest strategy when you're trying to jumpstart a rebuild? It's tough when you're rebuilding because, um, you know, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of out in front of the league naked, right? Like everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows you want picks, you want youth, you want to get Adam Thielen off roster. Um, so it's, it's a tough spot to be in because the, the easy answers are so obvious. Yeah. You want youth, you want picks and you've got to, you got to find the right partner in your league to, to make those things happen. Um, beyond that, you know, beyond targeting picks and and younger players. The other thing I like to do is just focus on the short term. Who are some players that I think I can add? And, And usually this means from the waiver wire, not necessarily a trade. Who can I add that might gain value? So in a super flex league, I'm trying to make roster spots for backup quarterbacks. And once those injuries happen, you know, maybe, maybe I can get a third for, um, you know, for that backup quarterback. Maybe somebody will give me a second for Adam Thielen. Um, you know, he's, he wasn't a water wire guy, but, uh, you know, you, you get the idea. Actually, I'm not trying to tear it all down at one, uh, you know, in, in one move. And it, not every player on my roster has to be a young guy. Give me those guys who can gain value, even if it's just a four-week value gain, a rest-of-season value gain. If I can package those and and get one of the young players that wasn't on the waiver wire, that's that's another way to get there. I love that. I think that you know backup quarterbacks and backup running backs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even some third-string running backs could end up having a path yep. towards viability you know, more so than like these wide receiver four, wide receiver five types that never really gain anything for you. Now, how about if I have a really, really bad roster, but I have a couple of elite players, do you advocate for trying to move the the best asset I have to get a big, huge package of picks and players? Or are you more apt to try to hold on to that elite player and eventually try to build around them? I think that's a very difficult one for fantasy managers who maybe have a, you know, maybe I have a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson, but my record's poor and I really need to jumpstart this thing. That's a hard one for people to gauge. What's your advice with that? Yeah, that is a a tough spot for sure. Um, I I mean, it would start with some questions and, and, you know, at your team looking in a little bit, how far am I away really? You know, am, am I two to three years away with this team? Maybe even longer. Is this a complete teardown and, and rebuild from scratch, essentially? If it is, then then the answer is probably just move everybody. Move anybody with value, including Jefferson, including Chase, and, and, and like I said, start from scratch. Um, if that piece is a running back, right? Like if if Bijan's your only, your only piece, and there that was a you know, that was kind of a big conversation over the off season is if you earned the one Oh one with a really bad team, now you're taking Bijan Robinson and what you're still two to three years away. So, I mean, I'm totally of the mindset that the running back should be the, the last piece, you know, build up the quarterbacks, build up the receivers, get that one tight end you can count on and then figure out the running backs when you're ready to contend. Um, so if, if that good piece you have is a running back, even if it's Bijan, even if it's Brees then the answer 100% is to 
uh, get value for them. But I mean, the reason that's a tough spot is you feel like you have one shot, right? Yeah. When, when you've got a team that's maybe it's getting older, you've dealt with juries, you're struggling and didn't expect to be struggling. You've got 10 guys that you, you might be willing to trade. And, and that's, that's kind of when it gets exciting because you're making 10 different trades. You're trading with every other guy or girl in the league and, and accumulating these picks. If you just have Justin Jefferson, you've got one shot to make that big deal. And, and it's, it's gotta be an overpay. Right. And that's, yeah. That's why it's such a difficult spot to be in. You make that one trade and you get four first for Justin Jefferson. And now you've got to make every one of those count. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. And then when we get to contending rosters, like we talked about Alvin Kamara, you know, how yeah. you're, you're valuing him versus Eckler, my trade for him. Like he, he stands out big time. Um, but let's take players aside. When you have a contending roster that's doing very well and you look at it and you want to go add that hammer, that big trade that can kind of put you over the top, are you looking to try to balance out your roster structurally and try to, you know, maybe grab a player at a position that you're weakest at and really go for it that way? Or are you being position averse and just trying to grab that one hammer that could potentially bring you over the top? Because I think a lot of people will try their best to be balanced and maybe kind of miss the boat yeah. on the cha- the Focus fact that, that I think, too yeah, much. yeah, a little bit too much. Yeah. Are you, where are you at with that, Ryan? Yeah, I'm, I'm typically not worried about balance um, in, in my leagues. I mean, most of my leagues honestly are start one um, format, meaning we're starting one of each of the four positions and then tons flexes. So yeah, if you've got to start two quarterbacks every week, certainly if you have to start two tight ends, I've been in those leagues and those are no fun, but uh, that, that kind of changes this answer. But in general, I'm not really worried about balance. I just want the best players I can get. And if I've got seven great wide receivers and, and Alan Kamara is kind of my only running back, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, So when, when you're talking trade as a contender, um, I'm just hitting up what we talked about to start the show, right? You're the, you're the team in at the top of the standings. You're hitting up the guy that's 0 and 7, 0 and 8, or it might be 1 and 7. And, and you're trying to find pieces that, um, again, they want to get off their roster anyway. They might be able to help you. Thielen's best example this year, I think. Um, but yeah, you're just, you're just trying to, to make a match that way and, uh, improve every piece of your roster. I don't even mind trading for a guy that I know is not a starter, right? Like if I already have six good receivers, six is the most I can start every week. I'm still trying to trade for Adam Thielen or Mike Evans. Uh, one, we've already seen so many injuries only through the season. There, there are going to be more. We have to, uh, we have to know that. And two, it keeps Evans Thielen, whoever it might be off my competitors roster. So, um, I love uh, I love a, a quote that um, Sean Siegel gave on a uh, on one of my podcasts one time, and essentially he said, "Every time a trade is made in your league that you're not involved in, your chance of winning the championship just got worse." Um, and and it, it's kind of obvious, I guess, you know, when you think about it. But I've never thought about it that way. Um, at least one team in that trade got better. Maybe both of them got better potentially. And and that means your chances just dropped. Maybe, maybe only by 1% or 2%, but 
but your chances got worse because of that trade that you were not involved in. I knew that quote from Sean. I think it's so, so smart. It's also just a matter of, hey, I'm here for business. At least communicate with me. Anytime you have a trade mm-hmm. to make, at least reach out to my team. You know, I'm a fair trader. I think a lot of the stuff he says with that is absolutely spot on. Let's take it to players, though. Who are a couple yeah. of players that you would be looking to kind of acquire? And again, this is a difficult question because a lot of times I'm looking to the first off the rebuilding teams and then maybe a couple of the pretenders. Those could usually be the teams that I'm going to be trading with. The contenders are not usually going to trade with me if I have a really good team because they're not trying to help me out. We're both going for the same amount of money. So let's say League of Verse, who would be a couple of veterans that you mentioned Mike Evans, you mentioned Adam Thielen, we've talked about Kamara. Anybody else kind of under the radar, a potential veteran you might be going after, Ryan? Yeah. yeah, I'm you know, I'm I'm typically bargain shopping this time of year. I'm I'm not likely to to go out and trade for uh you know Bijan for for Christian McCaffrey for the the top of the top guys. I mean, if a deal falls in my lap, I'm I'm glad to do it. But I, I'm looking for those guys who uh are, are producing but still honestly just might be a little cheaper. So Thielen and Evans fall in that, into that category. DeAndre Hopkins falls into that category, certainly. Uh, quarterback, I like Dak Prescott. He, we're, we're starting to finally see him uh, come around and produce this year. Uh, Raheem Most is another easy one. Uh, obviously producing at a high level. I, I think there's still some concern that uh, what he will be when, when A-Chain, come, A-Chain comes back. So his value although it certainly has increased a ton. It, it hasn't gone crazy, I don't think. Uh, Henry, I'm good with acquiring as well. So that's you know that's a few names uh, that I would no, be those... looking at. All, all kind of the same guy, right? All veterans yeah. producing, but not super expensive. Ryan, some people would say you might have a type when it comes to your rebuilds. Yeah. You're looking for those, <laughs> those 30-year-old guys. I, I like that. Um, what about, let's talk about trade timing. So when you talk about trade timing, like, and, I, and I've talked with Scott Connor about this, who I think is really, really sharp with this stuff. And oh, yeah. he's always kind of Scott, advocated Scott's on the best. Scott's. I, I, I love podcasting with Scott. Scott is, you know, anybody who doesn't listen to Scott and plays dynasty, change that up. You got to listen to Scott. Those guys over there are great. Um, but Scott has talked about, I've actually, you know, reached out to him in years past on trades I'm making. And uh, he's always advocated on waiting a little longer. If you're going to move that 2024 first, um, mm. you know, and there's obviously exceptions to these rules for any of these rules. If you get a great offer, go with it. But do you feel like now potentially making that hammer move in week eight, week nine, maybe you get a little less choice and a little less value than if you waited maybe two weeks and there was a couple more teams who decide they're rebuilders and really need to restart their rebuild. Maybe a couple of a pretenders become rebuilding and you have a little bit more choice and a little bit, maybe a little bit, your first becomes a little worth a little bit more despite it being a low one. Do you think there's anything to be said with that or trade something where if the value is presented to you, pull the trigger, it doesn't matter what week. No, I think it definitely matters. And and I'm with Scott. I'm, I'm trying to trying to protect that first. If I can, even if, uh, even if it looks like it's going to be a late first, because we all know the perceptions of, of first round picks and, and the value that will come, right? Like think about how much more valuable 
the 111 is versus the 2.02. Yep. Like there should there should be almost no difference in a typical year, but there's a huge difference. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm trying to keep those first. Maybe that's why I'm shopping in that value bin with those as I mentioned. But as far as timing, uh, it's it's a tough like it's a tough line to toe because you want to be aggressive, as I said earlier. You want to get ahead of your competitors and and get those. Uh, get those deals done before someone else does. But at the time you mentioned, if you, if you just wait a couple weeks, a couple more losses for those pretenders. And, and now a, a, a whole collection of players comes available that might not be available today. So again, it, it really does become a team by team um, situation and analysis. And maybe that, you know, maybe that's the tiebreaker as far as your need. Um if you if you really need that bad receiver and you're hurting because Jefferson's out, you know maybe you do get aggressive now and and pay the first rounder for, um, you know for a wide receiver in that range that's that's available now. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't have a great answer for that one because there's so many possibilities and and it really is team and league specific. Yeah, I think that my only push my push would be if I'm running back needy. If I can get through maybe a week or two, I'm going to wait because I think maybe another running back might present itself to me, you know, from some of those pretenders who have, yeah. you know, be kept a couple of losses. Wide receivers, I'm going to go for it. And then tight end is so scarce that if I have an opportunity to really improve at tight end, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And, you know, I heard Sam Laporta. I want to want to talk to you about him, Ryan, and get over to some players here because I, I we moved Sam Laporta up to tight end one overall in our dynasty rankings just this week. And I've heard you discuss this and, and you guys discuss it on your pod. I believe you guys him have him at tight end four right now. Am I correct on that? Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I'm not even sure. I, yeah. I so, my rankings, we we've got a collection so, of guys doing rankings. So, so stay with uh, your, I've rankings. got him at tight end one. You have yeah. him tight as one as I've well. I've got him at yeah. tight end one. And that's that's a fairly recent move as well, and and yeah, obviously he's a guy we're talking a ton about, a a fun player to talk about. Um, I mean, he's on pace, and and the seventeen games helps this a little bit, but he's on pace for the best fantasy rookie tight end season ever. Uh, Mike has that right now, I believe, at uh, two hundred and twenty or thirty something points, and and through eight games, uh, Laporta is on on pace to make that. We've already seen six games as a top 10 fantasy tight end. And uh, yeah, it's tough given the age, given the age of the three guys in front of him in, in a lot of rankings. Uh, It's tough to not go ahead and move him up. You look at the offense and, and, and that feels pretty stable as far as the next two to three years, what to expect, you know, they're, they're going to lose Ben Johnson, right? They're going to lose their OC. Um, But Jared Goff feels Pretty solid there for the next couple of years. St. Brown locked in. Gibbs locked in. Uh, certainly the head coach is is locked in there. So it feels like a spot you want to invest in. And if you can flip Kelsey for Laporta, you're missing dealing games. I mean, we saw that a couple of weeks ago from Kelsey as he put up, um, what, 35 or something in, in, uh, in PR leagues. You're going to miss those games. We have not seen that yet from Laporta. That that monster ceiling game. Um, I think it can come. Obviously, we're super early in in his time. So uh, I, I think it's hard not to have him as the tight end one, honestly. Yeah, and it came down to like 
we talk about Kelsey and then you talk about like Mark Andrews and Hawkinson. He's outscoring Mark Andrews and Hawkinson already. Um, so it's kind of like I can't really make that argument anymore. I think people just need to kind of dive into it. How about Dalton Kincaid? Dalton Kincaid is starting to really come on. You know, your thoughts on Kincaid, uh, is he a kind of elite tight end for you? Is he one that you still want to see a little bit more consistency from? Um, the last two weeks have been very, very promising, Ryan. Absolutely. I mean, he was, he was, of course, the tight end one for most people coming into the season. And um, there was, there was some frustration there with the usage and uh, not only splitting time with Knox, but the, the low a dot kind of became a narrative. And now we're seeing with Knox out of the lineup, he's on IR for a couple more weeks, at least Um, we're, we're seeing kind of what Kincaid can do with more volume and, and obviously pretty exciting and a good reminder of how we felt about him preseason. But again, the tight end spot is, is so bad after those four guys we mentioned Dalton Kincaid's my tight end five. Like I've got, uh, I've got uh, Laporta. I've got the three veterans, Kelsey Andrews and, um, uh, I'm I'm blanking there. Kelsey Hawkinson. Andrews and ah. and Hawkinson. Thank you. Yep. Ooh, Kelsey Andrews and Hawkinson. And then I've got Kincaid. So Kincaid over Pitts is the recent uh, update I've made. And it's, you know, I still like Pitts. I still want him on, on my teams. Might have to wait longer for him, though. You know, it might be a 2024 situation or who knows, maybe even beyond. See how long that coaching staff hangs around. Uh, but we're we're already seeing it now from Dalton Kincaid. I love it. We're big on Kincaid. And I, I, I've i heard you discuss Kyle Pitts and also Drake London for that matter. And you're kind of preaching patience. Yeah. It's hard, Ryan. It's hard. Talk it's people so, off the ledge here. I, I like your, I well, like your they're, comment about the, the coach. They're going to, they're going to outlast their coaching staff. And that's just like a big, big sigh of uh, relief for me. Yeah. I've, I've tried to, I, I, you know, I try to remind myself of that because it gets so frustrating that you see players and I mean, we're, you know, maybe we're close to putting Bijan in that category as far as the usage or lack of usage that he's seeing. Um, all three of these guys had big expectations. Pitts was the dynasty tight end one before he played the game. Bijan, the dynasty RB one before he played the game, uh, played a game in the NFL and, uh, Man, we hate this coaching staff, don't we? And I mean, I we're even seeing it. We're even seeing it with the uh, quarterback coaching or the quarterback comments and, and the decisions being made there. So I don't know. It's, it's super frustrating. But as far as Pitts and London go, and, and certainly Bijan as well, all very young guys, all obviously very talented players. And I believe in all three of them as as dynasty assets, as NFL players. And if we have to wait until Arthur Smith is gone and, and they uh, invest in uh, an actual quarterback, either in free agency or in the draft. I think we just have to be patient. And if there's a buy low window on, on any of those three, absolutely take it. Which of the, if you, you know, let's take Bijan off the table, which between London and Pitts, which one would you be more willing to kind of move off of? Cause I think there's a couple of, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to move off of either but maybe which one do you have a little bit more long-term confidence in? Um, I would still rather have pits um, against the tight end. Um, you, you know, the tight end position breaks that tie if, if it's close. 
Um, there's, I mean, there's so many young wide receivers around the league that uh, if for whatever reason, if I've got to move London in a, in a deal, uh, even though I view him as, as a guy to target in a trade, there's, there's literally like dozens of other young tight, uh, young wide receivers uh, either in the league already or, or coming in over the next couple of years that you, you can, you're going to be able to find another, but uh, tight ends of that age of that talent when it comes to pits uh, are, there's not many of them, right? So um, if I've got pits, I'm, I'm hanging on to him. I'm not giving in to, uh, uh, to, to the buy low or the sell low uh, idea. Yeah, stay strong, Ryan. I'm going to stay strong as well with my pitch shares. But like London, I look at London and like I really, really like him, but I'm holding yeah. on to like a 12 point per game guy. If I can pivot up, if I have a, a, a contender and I can pivot up to a veteran that's averaging, you know, 16, 17 points, I'm not trading him straight up for a Thielen, but I could use Drake London in a package to go get myself a Tyree Kill or a Stefan Diggs. I'm going to I'm going to make that move I feel like for my for my contenders but it's uh it's difficult to move on from these guys for sure and I do think Pitts is a really really good target for rebuilding teams as is Drake London as well so it's mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that you know guys can be a sell for you in one league and a buy for you in another yeah. I think that's a great thing about dynasty one guy that is giving people some concerns not really long term concerns necessarily but it's Chris Olave. We're seeing very elite usage. He's second in the league in air yards. He's averaging like a 26.5% target share, but the production really hasn't been there since week 12 last year. And I believe this is a Scott Barrett uh, uh, stat, if it's somebody else's apologies. But since week 12, Rashid Shaheed, I think it was Scott. I'm almost positive it was <laughs> it's Scott. It's got to be. So I'll give it if to Scott a, anyway. It's a crazy stat. It's Scott, yeah. So this is a Scott Barrett stat. No matter what, you get it, Scott, even if you didn't come up with it. Rashid Shahid has out has outproduced Chris Olave in terms of receiving yards since week 12 last year. And I think that's like a you know a tough pill to swallow for Chris Olave managers, but it, it's there. This is a big sample size, and he's got another speed receiver who's outproducing him on spike weeks. Where are you at on Chris Olave? Are you starting to waver on is he a truly elite uh, player in dynasty or is this a guy that's kind of reached his, he reached his, his peak this past off season. It's all going to kind of be downhill ish from here. I think he's going to maintain that value, but I do have some concerns here, Ryan. Yeah. I think you've got to have some concerns, honestly. Uh, I mean, he was wide receiver 10 in week one looked, looked great. Uh, he's been the wide receiver 30 in the uh, seven weeks since then. So um, not only has he not been a lead, he's he's been starter level. Um, I, I, I kind of started looking back at what did he do last year? Um, he didn't have any wide receiver one games last year either. He's, he's got one this year. I believe he had uh, had four last year. He scored 20 he scored more than 20 fantasy points two times last season hasn't done that yet so I I, I hate to even put him in this company but I, I mentioned that name acres earlier as a as a guy we just got too hot on too early and I, I don't think Alave is a bad player by any means he's he's a guy I still want but when we were pushing him up into the top five top six 
dynasty wide receiver in first round of dynasty startups uh, in those one quarterback leagues. Maybe, maybe that was a little too aggressive. You know, maybe he belongs more in the um, Devonte Smith, DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk tier rather than Waddle, St. Brown, AJ Brown, uh, CD lamb, guys like that. So I'm I'm starting to think I got it too aggressive with my rankings on him. He's 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 dropping steadily. Yeah, for me as well. Um, he's actually a guy that I wouldn't mind pivoting off of uh, in certain leagues if people want to value him as some some elite prospect. I just I worry, and I think this is something for the off season, Ryan, where you see these guys who we push up a little too quickly and it kind of mm-hmm. burns us. You mentioned a bunch of these guys that all kind of like DK Metcalf for that matter has reached, you know, never kind of lived up to his dynasty uh, kind of, you know, expectations. We've seen production, but we've never seen like that top five season from him. And he's been in that, you know, top 12, you know, for many years of his career. And, you know, Garrett Wilson's a little different. We'll give him a pass because, you know, he's getting the elite target numbers and solid production despite bad quarterback play. But Alave, I'm worried a little bit. One, One thing I'm not worried about, though, is this wide receiver class. This rookie wide receiver class is really, really good. I'm interested to see you re-rank these guys. Puka Nakua, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Those four guys, it's looking a little bit different now than, than, it, than it was in the summer. But how would you rank those four um, in your current dynasty rankings, Ryan? Well, I've got them close for sure. Uh you know, it's, it's hard not to have Jordan Addison as your wide receiver one, I think, uh, amongst rookie class, what we've seen already. Obviously, the, the loss of Kirk Cousins, just as Addison was kind of uh, kind of moved up stings, um, that kind of it's really just a wait and see situation if he's able to still produce with uh, uh, Josh Dobbs or, or whatever quarterback they settle on there in Minnesota. But Addison's my one. Uh, Nakua would be my two JSN and then floors would be my four. I love it. That's the order I've got them in right now. Uh, I love that. Quinton Johnston, obviously the, the big faller from, from this class, but he's shown signs of life. One guy who I had uh, for the last two weeks, very high up in my waiver wire column is Demario Douglas. Who's got this path. Your thoughts on Demario Douglas? He's got a little bit of juice, and I have him in the Black Crown League. If you want to make some Godfather offer for him, Ryan, to help you help you ship it this year. Well, I, I do need some uh, need some wide receiver help, as as we've discussed. Um, I like Douglas quite a bit. He was a guy I um, kind of got lucky on, and and was able to to scoop up on waivers like in week one or two, maybe. Um, and a lot of it is just kind of following the situation. Um, I mean that that New England, you know, we don't we don't need to analyze that situation, but it it's obviously bad, right? I mean, Juju has looked terrible all year, and then you just it almost becomes a going to catch the ball situation, and and playing that game doesn't always work out. Sometimes the answer is nobody, um, but you just start thinking, who's the guy? I thought it might be Tyquan Thornton. Uh, quickly realized that was not the answer. And, and Douglas was, was there ready to see some, uh, some playing time. And so, yeah, I, I grabbed him in 
probably a dozen leagues, honestly, off of the waiver wire, get through the rookie draft. And, and once the season started, he, he got dropped, I guess. Um, so I, I like him. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily view him as a, as a long-term guy. Um, not, not the prototypical wide receiver, but you know, the Patriots never use the prototypical wide receivers. So, um, but yeah, I, I, certainly a guy to grab if he's still out on your waiver wire in a shallow league and, and a player that I think with, with buys coming up and getting tougher to work around, I think you can start him in, you know, in a flex spot and your wide receiver three spot and, and get some usage out of him. Uh, if, if you got a real offer on him though, I would, I mean, I'd sell him for a second easily. Oh yeah, no, I'm with you on that in Dynasty. Redraft, he's probably a little more fun. He could be like a 12 point yep. per game guy, you know, with the loss of Kendrick Bourne. And Ryan, you know, referencing that flow, ch- flow chart, I'll get right back to it. Playing against yep. Washington this week, this might be like DeMario Douglas goes for 20 PPR points. Give us one piece of advice for Dynasty managers this time of year. One thing that can kind of give you an edge, Ryan. You know, I mean, for me, it's 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 pretty simple. It just all comes down to staying active. And I talked about analyzing your teams earlier. You're not just analyzing your team. You got to essentially analyze every other team in the league. If you're a contender, who uh, what what are the needs of uh, the other contenders? Not because you're going to help them out, but because you want to block them, right? If they need that wide receiver, if they just lost Kirk Cousins, you go get the quarterback, or they can. Um, if you're on the other end of that, be an aggressive seller, as we talked about already. Um, I feel like this time of year, especially if your team is struggling, it's so easy just to, to kind of mail it in, to go through the motions, click the box on, on Sunday morning and not really worry about it. But in, in dynasty, you've got to stay active, stay aggressive with these moves and, and stay on top of your league to, to bring home a title and maybe that title won't be this year. It, it might be next, you know, next year, or the coming years, but uh, you're whatever work you're doing, you're working for a title. No, I love it. You've been really generous with your time and your knowledge you bring to dynasty. Ryan, let everybody know where they can find your work once again. Sure. Find uh, all my work on dynasty Follow me on Twitter at Ryan MC 23 and a couple podcasts to check out LF dynasty podcast and locked on dynasty. No, I love it. And then stick with us here at dynasty life all, all during the season. And then during the off season, I'm going to bring you some really cool stuff. And if you love dynasty content, definitely check out the dynasty war zone right here on player profiler, YouTube, Randall Memphis, young and Jerry Sinclair, bringing you great dynasty work every single week. And then the Sonic truth dynasty podcast will be back next week on Friday with Alan Soslowski and Matt Kelly. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow with Billy Muzio and Dave Kluge. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of first-class fantasy. Billy's back in the house after missing a couple of weeks, so that should be a lot of fun. And then press coverage this week, I have Mike Shope and Adam Krautwurst. That'll be Friday. Stick with us here all year all year long at Player Profiler. Check out everything Ryan has, and uh, good luck in your leagues this weekend. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.